Josh just prayed it, but it's all about Jesus. Amen? Every last bit of it. The only reason to cry holy is because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. Amen? He's saved us. He's redeemed us. He's made a way where there was no way. And one day, if you surrendered your life to Christ, you can do exactly what we just sang. Fall down. Lay your crown at the feet of Jesus and cry holy. The Bible's clear that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But not every knee and not every tongue will get to worship and enjoy him forever, church. We have that opportunity. And the the great thing is, is that if he's changed your life, if you surrender your life to Christ, is that we don't have to wait for eternity to cry holy. We don't have to wait until he comes to get us or we go. We can do that now. So what a powerful time of worship. We could leave right now because that was the whole gospel there. That was just saying. Josh and the worship team did an amazing, amazing job. It's so much fun to serve the Lord with friends. It's so much fun to serve the Lord and see what he's doing um, here at Wemo. Um, but wow, what a, what a time of worship. I want to thank Kevin for letting me do this. Um, let me fill the pulpit today. Y'all be praying for him and his family as they're traveling to go visit some family and take some uh, much needed time off. Kevin, thank you. Y'all have a good time today. Uh, if you're watching with us live, Have any of you ever been beat up with Scripture? Ever been beat up with Scripture? Maybe a topic from Scripture. Um, I shared with some of our guys this week, my men's group, some guys I meet with, um, that the Lord has been, I mean, I've needed steel toe boots all, probably a month, because the book of Acts has been really, really getting all up on my toes, all up in my business. And I thought for sure this week as I was preparing this, that I was like, all right, God, obviously we're going to be in Acts because that's all I've read. It seems like every study I'm in, every group I'm in has been in Acts. Um, But we're actually not going to be in Acts, but we are taking some topics from Acts. Throughout the book there, we see a lot of obedience, a lot of calls, a lot of challenges um, towards obedience. That's been the theme that's kind of been reoccurring in my life recently. It's kind of been the theme that the Lord has pointed out to me a lot is that word, obedience and how important it is and how throughout scripture um, it's just there and and we won't sit in a particular passage of scripture this morning because obedience is throughout the whole bible so anybody remember bible drills anybody remember those all right if you have your bible like warm your warm your hands up because we're going to be flying through uh, the pages if you're moving on the standard iphone version then stretch your thumbs out because we're going to be moving there too Um, but we're going to be throughout the Bible today. Starting in Genesis, if you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and you probably know where I'm going with that already. Um, But we're not going to sit in a particular passage. We'll be everywhere. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. And how great is it, church, that we can be here today in God's Word with fellow believers? And I know that that Kevin points that out a lot, but I, I want to make sure that we realize how awesome it is that we can open God's word through a a room of people that are also doing that with us in freedom that's found in Jesus Christ. So let's not take it for granted today when we get to open God's word, and let's pray that he uses it right now. God, thank you so much for all that you're doing. Lord, what a powerful time of worship. God, thank you for using the team. Thank you for using, Father, instruments, talents for your glory. Lord, as we open your word right now, Father, I pray that it would challenge us, grow us, and Lord, ultimately make us more like your son Jesus, the greatest example of obedience we could see. God, you are are worthy of our all. You're worthy of our obedience. God, what a great topic um, that you've led us to this morning. I pray that you would get me out of the way. I pray that you would speak through your word 
like only you can. Holy Spirit, would you inhabit this place as we study, as we grow, and as we learn. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, if you've got your hand out there, the first blank is going to be this. It's that outcomes do not belong to us. Outcomes do not belong to us. I repeated that because I think that's what pastors typically do when they make a point. You just repeat it, and that makes you sound like you know what you're doing. So outcomes do not belong to us. Um, I, I gotta say, this is I'm comfortable with a full stage of people like team all next to me because like they don't really need me anyway. And so when they all leave, it's kind of like, okay, God, you know, you gotta do something because my team's gone. You know, there ain't nobody with me up here. So I'm excited to do this, and I, I really don't take for granted or take lightly um, the opportunity to do this. So y'all don't listen to me; you listen to the Word of God this morning. And, and as he moves and as he speaks. Now, my generation, some have referred to us or, or the generations surrounding me, and maybe even the older generation, uh, we can be considered a microwave generation, microwave-driven generation, meaning we like things now, we don't want to wait, we want to plan and do, we don't want to plan and wait. And uh, I saw a quote this week about the microwave generation that says this, as members of the microwave generation, we have become so impatient that we find ourselves standing in front of the microwave tapping our foot and yelling, come on, 15 seconds. Come on, 15 seconds. Heat that spaghetti up. Heat it up. I'm ready to eat. And that's me. I'll sit there and watch like 30, 29, 28. Like I'm ready to eat, you know. I'm, I know I'm, I'm the only one in here like that. Um, and I'm not naturally a patient person by nature. God's still working on me in that department. But my, by far, not even close, by far my favorite thing to heat up in the microwave is a Krispy Kreme donut. Amen? <laughs> Eight seconds. And glazed goodness right there. Eight seconds. And it's ready to go. Maybe y'all are like me in that. But I'm not naturally a, a patient person. That's part of the whole sanctification process, right? Some things you get down, and, and patience is one of those things that the Lord's still working on me on. Um, but I don't like planning and waiting. I like planning and doing. So if you're planning like a vacation, and you're planning it now, and it's going to happen next year, that ain't me. Like, I'm, I'm like, let's go tomorrow. Let's go today. Let, we don't have to wait till next year. I don't like planning and waiting. I like planning and doing. I don't mind a plan, but I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to get it done. Uh, I don't want to wait, but the something that the Lord has been teaching me uh, through this topic and, and through Acts and everything that he's just been really reoccurring in my life is that we don't always get to know outcomes. We don't always get to know even the steps towards those outcomes. What he does, he knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't abide in time like we do. Kevin says it all the time, that he's playing chess and we're playing checkers. And to think about you know, we want to say, God, I want to do this, this, and this, so ultimately I can get here. And God's like, that's not what I have for you. You take that next step of obedience, and you sit right there until I call you to do something else. But that's not our, our human tendency. We don't want to do that. We like to be in control, right? We like to know the steps. We like to do the steps, how we want to do them, when we want to do them, where we want to do them. So we, we don't get to know every single step, and we definitely don't get to know the outcome. Uh, that is up to him. I, I restate it again. Outcomes do not belong uh, to us. Now, preparing this, like I said, this is not a, a natural thing for me to do. You know, I don't do this every week, obviously. Kevin is here. He's our pastor. Um, but as I was preparing this this week, on Monday morning, I called a dear friend of mine. And I, a lot of people help me with this. I, I like to pick people's brains. I like to run topics by people. But a lot of people help me with this. But I called a friend of mine on Monday morning, mainly because I just like to hear his outlook. I like to hear him talk. Y'all got any people like that? You just want to listen to them right? They, they know a lot more than you do, so you just shut up, right? Shut up and listen. That's that kind of person. So I called this friend, wanted to listen to him, wanted to run what I'm going to talk about this morning by him. Um, and Brother Gene Tackett pointed out to me that God 
has only ever asked us to do one thing. Now, look, this is better than anything I'm going to say today, so get your, get your pens out. God has only ever asked us to do one thing, and that is to obey. That is to be obedient. Seriously, write it down. God has only ever asked us to do one thing, and that is to be obedient. Now, there's a lot of different ways that can happen. Throughout the Bible, you see he, he called the Israelites, he called the apostles, he called the disciples to different things. But all he's ever asked for is our obedience. That's facts. Some of our students have been going through a, we just finished it up, a 21-day post-camp devotional. Now, we, we hopped into this as soon as we got back from uh, camp. And, y'all, these students are awesome. I, I love being around them. I love their hunger for God's word. Uh, they just want more of him, and it's just, oh, it's, it's addictive to, to be around that. Um, but they went through this 21-day kind of challenge on the Uversion app, um, kind of just kindling that flame, keeping that flame kindled from camp, because camp can be such an awesome time, but coming back to reality can just be a real disappointment. Um, so this Bible study was fantastic to kind of make sure that we are studying God's Word, make sure that um, what we have learned and what we saw and what we were taught um, stays in us. And one of the things it talked about uh, last week, it says this, many times we worry about the destination and God just wants us to be focused on the turn we are making right now. Many times we worry about the destination. Many times we worry about how am I going to get there? What am I doing? How do I get to what I want to do? And God's just saying, focus on where I have you right now. Now, anybody in here, when you're going to maybe a new place, you put it in your phone, you put it in your GPS, and you try to beat the time, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like a, that's like a sport in my truck. Okay, when I put something in, I want to beat that time. And I don't like to just go and try to find something. I like to know where I'm going. I like to plug it in the exact address. I don't want to get around the destination. I want to know exactly where I am heading. And I want to do I want to know that, but I want to beat the time that this daggum GPS says I can do it in, right? Nobody else is like that, but I'm like that. But oftentimes, like I just said, we don't, we don't get to see even the destination. We don't even get to know the time that it's going to take us to get there. We are just following that next turn. And we stay on that road until God says to take another turn. And then we take that turn. These steps of obedience, because the outcome doesn't belong to us, is our job. Is just take the next step of obedience. Wherever it is that God calls us to, wherever, however, whatever he wants to do, that's what we do. And the only proper response is, yes, Lord. There's no other response. It's when he calls us to something, we don't worry about, well, God, where's that going to take me? We say, yes, Lord, and we do it. Now, I've said all that to set up Genesis 12.1. So turn there if you haven't already. Genesis 12. Verse 1, uh, this is Abram, before he, God changed his name to Abraham. And, of course, you, you know what I was going with this. Let's read it. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now what I want us to focus on is the, the yours. Your country, your kindred, and your father's house. Why do I want to focus on that? Because that's what is, is known to Abram. That's everything he would have known up to that point. His father's house, his land, his, his profession. But God calls him to go to the land that I will show you. Now that, that throws the whole GPS out the window. Basically, God's just telling him, start moving, start walking, and I will, I will show you, I will reveal to you what I'm going to do, where I'm going to take you. But man, that's not natural to us, is it? That is not natural just to go start walking. We don't want to leave our country. We don't want to leave our family. We don't want to leave what is is known to us for the unknown. But so many times, so many times, God's best for us is right outside of what's known. God's best for us is right outside of our comfort zones. So your first blank there is that we have to get to a point where we care more about pleasing God 
in the uncertainty than we do of being comfortable in the certainty. We have to get to a point where we care more about pleasing God, about being holy as he is holy in the uncertainty than we do of being comfortable in the certainty. Now, last time I got the opportunity to fill the pulpit, I talked about um, First Kings and Elisha's call and how he had to let go of the plow to, to go to this, this unknown calling on his life. He had to leave what was known to him to go into this. And so I'm, I, I got to reiterate that because God is, is working on that with me. Um, this, this constant theme of obedience. Y'all, we are to be an obedient people. We are to be holy as he is holy. And holiness always, always involves obedience. We can't be holy as he is holy without obedience. Our obedience cannot be based on outcomes. It has to be based on pleasing God. It's not us questioning what's going to happen. It's only based on pleasing God, on saying, yes, Lord. Doesn't matter what the outcome looks like. The outcomes do not belong to us. We focus on pleasing God wherever he calls us to. Now, I was thinking of maybe an example. There's a lot of examples in Scripture of someone that got more focused on the outcome. Throughout Scripture, that's also a theme. But I I kept coming back to Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus, and how he got to thinking about outcomes. As a matter of fact, he got to thinking about incomes. Isn't that us? Judas started thinking about outcomes. He said, Lord, as a matter of fact, there's some income to be made here. He took things into his own hands. So he wasn't only worried about outcomes. Judas got to worried or got to be worried about incomes, and that is us. God, how am I going to make money? How am I going to provide? How am I going to do the things that, that I want to do? How am I going to get the things that I want, the, the things? I want to have these things, God. How am I going to get that income? But incomes and outcomes are not up to us. We are to be obedient. We aren't responsible for outcomes, but we have to be responsible for the obedience. Obedience has to be a result in our life. When we've surrendered our lives to Christ, we have to admit that we're no longer in charge. He's the boss and what he says go. When he says turn, we say, yes, sir. And that's how it is. And I know that I can sit up here and say this. Y'all, that's hard. That is very hard. In our generation, in our culture, the, the unknown is terrifying, right? How, how to get from point A to point B, we always have an idea of how we want to do it. But our ideas and our wants have to align with God's will. We have to align ourselves with what God wants to do. Regardless if we think it's going to work out, outcomes are not up to us. Number one, we saw that outcomes do not belong to us. Number two, we see that obedience requires walking. You could say it like this, obedience requires action. How many of you know that waiting is an action? Waiting, sitting still is an action. Man, Tony Evans said this, throughout scripture, God has called on people to demonstrate their obedience through their feet. He doesn't just want to hear it in our talk. He wants to see it in our walk. We're going to focus on that word walk for a minute, the action of that. And that walk right there, like I just said, walking can be waiting. Walking can be sitting and waiting on the Lord to do something. That can be walking in obedience. If you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, I told you, we're, we're going through the whole book. We'll start at the beginning. We'll go all the way through it. Deuteron- I left first service out a little early, so there's hope. You know, there's hope for you guys. But I didn't have quite as much coffee as, or I had more coffee now than I did then. Deuteronomy 5, verse 32. Now, God has just given the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. He's given them to Moses as he gives them to the Israelites. And he ends this, this chapter with these two verses. It says this, Deuteronomy 5, verses 32 through 33. 
You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. There is action, church. Listen, there's action involved in obedience. I love that it says, so that you may live and that it may go well with you. That doesn't mean lots of money. doesn't mean great life by the world standards. It means that God's going to be with us. It means that he's going to go before us. He's going to be beside us, and that has to be our good. I love that scripture says, but as for me, God's presence is my good. It doesn't matter what the storm. It doesn't matter what my surroundings. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. As for me, that has to be our prayer, church. As for me, God's presence is my good. That's his, his presence is, is that so it may go well with me. It doesn't matter how long I live on this earth. I want to dwell with him. I want his presence to be with me. There is action involved in obedience, and that's walking with the Lord. Don't you think he's worthy of our action? Don't you think that, church? For all he's done, don't you think that he's worthy of our action? He's worthy of our walking. Hey, he's worthy of our waiting on the Lord. 1 Kings 2, verse 3. Moving right along in the Bible. 1 Kings 2. Verse 3, David is about to die, man after God's own heart. We know that David made a lot of mistakes. God still used David. So he's about to die, and he's commanding this of his son Solomon in verse 3. 1 Kings 2, 3. I love hearing these pages turn. That's just a, that's a good, good sound. I wish I could hear your thumb scrolling. I, you need to make a noise of that too. 1 Kings 2, verse 3. And keep the charge of the Lord. I love that. Keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn. Keep the charge of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. If we could get a hold of that, church, if we could get a hold of that, that I don't, it doesn't matter what, what's, what it's looking like around me. I'm going to keep the charge of the Lord. Whatever he's calling me to, if it's, if it's just sitting here waiting on the next step of obedience, then I'm going I'm to be here. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be in his presence. And I'm going to keep the charge of the Lord, and I'm going to walk in his ways. When he says move, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Keep the charge of the Lord. Oftentimes, this is us. God is saying, hey, hey, walk. Do this. And we're like, yeah, but where? Come on. Where? Where, where am I going? And, and with who? Who's going to go with me, God? Can, can a buddy come? Where am I going and can, can someone come with me? And God, if, if, what should I wear? Is this okay, God? Like, what should I wear? We're always looking for excuses, right? Well, I, I don't have good enough clothes. No one's going with me. Or I don't really know the destination. Or will I be able to make money on this? We always have an excuse. We always can come up with something. But God's just asking us to walk. God's just asking us to be obedient. Our, our, our culture is full of excuses. And that's why our men's ministry has kind of branded the, the phrase, we're tired, we're done with it. No more excuses. We are done with it. We as men, we as, 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 as believers, as followers of Christ, have given excuses for so long as to why we can't do something. What if we just said, yes, Lord? What if we just waited on the Lord with open hands saying, God, lead, I'm going to go. Wherever you lead, I'm going to go. I'm waiting on you, Lord. Tell me what to do. And we did it. Oh, the loss that could be reached, church. God's just saying, walk and, and let me worry about the details. Let me figure it out. Just trust me. Trust me enough to just walk alongside me. 
as for me, God's presence is my good. Now, how can we talk about walking without talking about Peter? Keep in mind, y'all, this is, we can kind of water this down. You know, water. Uh, we can kind of water this down because you've heard this story so many times. But Peter was literally walking on water. Literally, like taking steps on water as long as his eyes were on the Lord. As long as he was doing exactly what the Lord told of him. He got out of the boat. He wanted to go see him. And he's literally walking on water, going to Jesus, fixing his eyes. He is locked in on what Jesus is calling him to do. And he's walking on water. Y'all, people don't just walk across Big Creek Lake. Like I drive it every day. There's not people just walking out there. But think about that. We, we think in, in, in our human realms, well, that's, God, that's not possible. That just doesn't happen. Or God, you know, I've never seen that done before. Or God, people don't really accept stuff like that. But Peter is locking eyes on Christ, fixing his eyes, and he's walking on water. And he only began to sink when he started worrying about what? Outcomes. When he took his eyes off Christ, started looking around at this water, that's when he began to sink. That's us. When we are walking in God's will and then we start taking our eyes off Christ and looking around, oh God, this is, this is unfamiliar. This isn't what's, what's known to me. I've never been here before. There's no one walking with me, God. Where? That's when we sink. We start worrying about outcomes. They don't belong to us. We don't walk based on outcomes. We walk based on obedience. Turn to Micah 6, 8. This is a... a you know, I need simple stuff. I need clear instructions. I need, I need stuff like this. And I love Micah 6, 8 because it simplifies it for, for a brain like mine. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to what? Walk humbly with your God. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Walking in obedience always requires us to be humble. It always requires humility because it's us saying, I'm not in charge. To walk in obedience, to be obedient to Christ is saying, God, do what you want because I'm not in charge. I'm going to take a step where you lead. I am not in charge. Walking in obedience requires humility. This is what I want to sit on for a second. I've mentioned that Jesus is, is the greatest example we have of obedience. Don't think we aren't called to walk in obedience when Christ had to walk the Via Della Rosa. Don't think that he's not going to call us to walk. Don't think that we're above walking in obedience, submitting ourselves to the Lord. When the Son of God had to leave perfection, come hang out with us sinners, and walk the Via Della Rosa so that we could have eternal life. Carrying the cross you and me deserved, as well as every single sin you and I have committed, are committing, or will commit. He died for all of that. And let me remind you that the worst part, ooh, the worst part of the crucifixion wasn't the nails, wasn't the spear, it wasn't the crown of thorns, it was your sin and my sin that he bore. Every sin that you have, will, or our future your sins that you haven't even committed yet, bearing those, bearing that weight, tempted in all ways like us, yet remaining blameless, yet carrying our sins with his cross on his back down the Via Della Rosa because he was obedient. And the Bible says he was obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross, the cross that he carried down the Via Della Rosa. So don't think that we're above obedience. Don't think that we're above submission when the Son of God had to do it. When the Son of God said, God, not my will, but thine be done. He submitted himself to the Father's will. There was action to Christ's obedience. 
which leads us to our third point. Number one, we saw outcomes don't belong to us. Number two, obedience requires walking. It requires action. But there's good news in number three. And it's this. Obedience has been modeled. Y'all thankful for that, that obedience has been perfectly modeled in the God-man Jesus Christ. We have a whole book full of men and women that were obedient, but none were perfect in their obedience like Jesus was. No one. None of us will ever be perfect in the obedience that Jesus had. But that's our example. That's our model of obedience. There's only one perfect example of obedience, that's Jesus. Philippians 2.8 says this. I mentioned it just a second ago. And being found in human form, think about that. You know, we oftentimes think God was part man, part God. He got to do some God stuff sometimes. He got to do some man stuff sometimes. But the Bible says that he was fully God and fully man. Tempted in all ways like we were, yet remain blameless. But listen to this, being found in human form, y'all, he left perfection to come and hang out with us, come and dwell with us, come and see what we go through. Tempted in all ways. He went through everything you will ever go through and remained blameless. He humbled himself. The Son of God humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For him to say, God, not mine will, but thy be done, that's, y'all, that's our example. That's how we're supposed to be, is that, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know my surroundings. This is all unknown territory to me. Not my will, but yours be done. God, I trust you, because as for me, God's presence is my good. The sinless Son of God had to do that. He became like us and modeled obedience perfectly so that we could spend eternity with the Father. Priscilla Shira says this, Jesus not only did the Father's will, but he only did the Father's will. I love that. He not only did the Father's will, but that's all he did. All he was was obedient. Fully God, fully man. One man's obedience is the reason that we are all here today. Because he walked that road, because he carried the cross, because he carried our sin, is the only reason to gather this morning. Is the only reason for us to encourage one another. Is the only reason for us to share what he's done because of his obedience. Because of Christ's obedience, this would just be an assembly. Without Christ's obedience, this would just be an assembly. Without what he's done, without his sacrifice, we'd just be a bunch of lost sinners just hanging out. But because he left perfection, because he was completely obedient, y'all, we have hope. And Jesus Christ is our living hope. One man's obedience is the reason that we can all gather. Jesus is the greatest demonstration of obedience. Now, I know we've jumped around, but I want all of us, if you have a Bible, you have something with your Bible on it, please join me and turn into Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And, and I'm going to end a little different today. I know that we have plenty of time before 12, so I told you all there's hope. But Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, and, and this is the altar call today. This is your opportunity for obedience because we've seen that we have the perfect example we've seen why we need obedience we've seen it modeled we've seen that outcomes don't belong to us that we're not in charge we are to submit to the father's will but this is the altar call if you will stand as we read this and Austin and Josh are going to come verse 18 of chapter 5 
Consequently, just as the result of one one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you need eternal life this morning, if you want to know what that is, this is your opportunity for obedience. Jesus bore your sin. He paid the death that you deserve. He paid the death that I deserved. He was completely obedient. Would you be obedient this morning to do what he's calling you? If that's to surrender your life to Christ, if that's to take a a step of obedience in believer's baptism, if that's to join the church, whatever God is leading you to, if you feel like you've called, you're called into the ministry, take the step. Walk. Obedience requires action. It required action of Jesus Christ. Whatever you need to do, I'm going to pray, and when I say amen, walk up here, and let's get it right. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and it's active, and Lord, it's sharp. Lord, it's cut me this week, and I pray, Lord, that it has cut and it has challenged our congregation here. Father, all you ever have asked for is obedience. And, Lord, in this time, I pray that we would see it walking. Lord, that we would see obedience walking. Lord, do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, would you convict? Holy Spirit, would you move, challenge, and grow us in this time, Lord? We pray for the lost to be found this morning, to submit to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.